0: Welcome to the ninth episode of the Coleman's Podcast. I'm Seamus Branagh here with Quentin Joyce. We were lucky enough to talk to the Irish Cancer Society's Advocacy Officer, Eric Steyart.
1: He talks to us about the dedicated work of the charity in their research, their care for patients and more. Stay around till the end to hear how you can give them much needed support. Sit back, relax and enjoy the podcast.
2: Hi Eric, how are you? Hi, not too bad. How's it going lads? Uh,
0: I'm good thanks. First off, um, could you just tell us a little bit about the work you do with the Irish Cancer Society?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, so I suppose in a nutshell, what the Irish Cancer Society does is um provides support to cancer patients in Ireland. Um we have a variety of services um that that we provide. So one would be um our, our free phone support line. So um cancer patients, their families or any members of the public who are concerned with signs and symptoms, for example, um, can call our free phone nurse line and speak to a trained cancer nurse um, in, in complete confidentiality and um, for any support or information. And we have daffodil centers that are located at 13 hospitals uh, around the country, too. So those centers are kind of staffed by cancer nurses um, and trained volunteers to provide free and confidential advice and support. Um those who need a little bit more uh, support we um, fund professional one-to-one counseling and group and um, survivorship programs for people across the country and um, we have a patient travel program at the Irish Cancer Society so we would um, kind of provide a free volunteer driver service to people going to and from their chemotherapy hospital uh, appointments um, and then we have some financial support programs as well um, We have a a palliative care service or night nursing service provides um, end of life care for for cancer patients in their own home. So that would be up to um, 10 nights of care for each patient. And it's a service that kind of allows patients to uh, remain at home for the last days of of their lives, kind of surrounded by their families and loved ones. Um, And it's something that's really, really valued by by uh, families of, of cancer patients certainly and um, we also have kind of a, a range of publications and information on our website so that's uh, you know one of the core aspects of our service as well as is, is, you know being an information uh, resource for the public on um things like Cancer prevention on signs and symptoms on coping, and um, and services that might be might uh, benefit patients as well throughout their, their cancer journey. Um, cancer research is probably one of the the big ones that people would would know about that we do. So we are the uh, largest voluntary funder of cancer research in Ireland, um, and we're kind of you know committed to improving the lives basically of people impacted by cancer uh, through research so we at any given time have uh, 100 cancer researchers around the country that we're funding to, to, um, to do research on, on you know a really really wide variety of, of topics in the area of cancer research and I'll just tell you very briefly about um, my own uh, role so I'm an advocacy officer with the Irish Cancer Society so what I do um is basically take all of the um the concerns uh, and, and actions that come to us from research and from the public and try and drive policy change at the national level. So I would be meeting a lot with politicians and um, with government representatives to try and um, to try and kind of promote the interests of cancer patients. So um that might be uh, ensuring that tra- that treatment is commencing on time, ensuring that everybody has access to diagnostic tests if they're worried about signs and symptoms of cancer, um, trying to reduce the financial impact of cancer on patients and something that is quite uh, burdensome for patients is how much it actually costs when you get a cancer diagnosis and um, the income that you might lose as well. So we have kind of a, a team of um, I think six of us that work um, on that kind of advocacy and campaigning side of things. So that's kind of where my role fits in to be kind of that communications uh, person within government to try and uh, advance our interests at the national level. So there's a a whistle-stop tour, I suppose, of of the services we provide. When and
1: how was the society founded?
2: Um, So the Cancer Society was founded in 1963. Um, It was founded by a GP actually called um, Austin Dara and he was kind of, I think, shocked to, to, to learn that at that time there were about 100 Irish people um, dying from, from non melanoma skin cancer, um, a disease that can be easily treated if found early um, each year. And so he set up a, a society that was formerly known as the Conquer Cancer Campaign. Um, and since the 60s, it's kind of grown um, into becoming what it is now, which is the national cancer charity in Ireland um, and, and to providing, you know, more than just that specific focus on skin cancer, but, to, you know, to providing a wide variety of services to anybody affected by by all types of cancers Um you might recognize um, the the daffodil as the symbol of the Irish Cancer Society. And and, and certainly on daffodil days in previous years, you might see people out selling daffodils on the streets um, around the country. So that became the logo of the Irish Cancer Society in 2001. um, And it's something that we share with other cancer societies around the world. So the Canadian Cancer Society and in the United States and Australia um, would use that symbol as well. So we do kind of have some loose affiliations with Cancer societies around the world too, um, but I suppose what we do is kind of cater towards the Irish public specifically.
1: Can you briefly explain what is cancer for people that mightn't actually fully
2: understand what it is? Yeah, and like it's it, it's it's an important question. Like I think we know when when somebody tells us that they have cancer or that a relative has got cancer, like we know that it is and um, that it's it's often quite serious. We know that it. Um, is something that can spread and we talk about often like you know if, if a cancer is spread to another part of the body that it might be more serious but um, it's kind of you know cancer is a term to describe a group of illnesses that all have um, a characteristic in common which is um, a kind of an overgrowth of cells in the body and when that happens um, it can form a, a tumor but there are like over 200 different types of, um, of cancer so you know, it it really is a really wide kind of umbrella term, I suppose, Um, and what they all kind of have in common, all these different types of cancer is that there's a lack of normal cell growth and that can result in um, more serious health problems. So tumors can cause medical problems in two ways. So um, they can, you know, directly cause problems in terms of they can press on to um, nearby organs and damage nearby organs, or they can break off and invade um, tissue and, and organs. Um, you know, it, it is like it, it's normal that that cells multiply, and that's something that, like, you know, since birth, we, you know, we all start life as one single cell, and then we kind of grow and grow and grow and grow in terms of our cell reproduction. <laughs> With cancer, though, for one reason or another the growth of new cells kind of becomes faulty. And when a cancer cell begins to grow, rather than just replacing the cells that have been damaged or lost, um, it multiplies out of control and can take over um, the organ. And in some cases, the cell kind of grows so much that it forms a mass of cells called a tumor. And that's when it kind of becomes more of of an issue.
0: And uh, are there any real standout symptoms of cancer? And if so, how could people spot these?
2: So, um, yeah, I I mean, we would always, we would always direct people to, um, to unexplained changes. So the things that you like want to be looking out for in terms of, of cancer would be, um, you know, unexplained changes to your body. So things like, um, a lump or, or swelling that is, is new and that is kind of persistent and doesn't, you know, go away. Um, bleeding that that isn't normal for you so for example if if you're kind of coughing up a lot of blood um or or maybe you're noticing blood when you when you go to the bathroom it might be something that you might raise with your gp um there's uh, you know weight loss it, it, it is something that that's normal for a lot of people and uh, and and it's normal to see small changes in your weight over time but you know, if you can, uh, if you can see a, a big change to your weight that isn't necessarily related to dieting, it could be a symptom of something more serious. Um and and I suppose there's you know some localized pain um, and 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 one thing that I would look out for in terms of skin cancer would be um, a new mole or changes to uh, an existing mole that you already had. So it's good to get into the habit of checking your skin every few months for new moles um, and watching out for for changes in color and, and shape and size to existing moles. Now that's like w- with all that being said, um, what, if you do go to your doctor and, and you are concerned about symptoms? the vast majority of the time it's going to be something less serious and it's not going to be cancer but it is good to kind of keep an eye out for changes um, in your body because oftentimes what we we find is that cancer um, if it's caught early um, and if it's treated early is a lot more treatable Um, and so what we always try and encourage people to, to do at the Irish Cancer Society is to not put it off if you have something that you're concerned about Um, to speak to your GP you know most of the time it's going to be absolutely fine it's not going to be something that you necessarily need to worry too much about but it's always just good to get that check.
1: Is there any advice you would give a person who recently got diagnosed and trying to cope with the treatments and everything that comes with it?
2: Yeah I mean my my advice um, would be in the first instance to contact our Irish Cancer Society nurse line and to speak to a trained cancer nurse Um, it's a free phone number. Um, You know, our cancer nurses are are brilliant. They give advice, information um, and support on any aspect related to cancer or even just for anybody um, who wants to talk. It doesn't necessarily need to be about your cancer but it's not just for patients but it's also for, you know, family members and friends who might be worried too. Um, So there are cancer nurses who would be only too happy to 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 hear from you and to chat if if you do have a recent diagnosis um, and they can kind of help you with with you know next steps and, and and some of the things that you might need to to think about that maybe you haven't had the chance to think about um, but I think it's always good and uh, firstly to to seek support and and to know that there are people there who are willing to help you and certainly we are one of those resources
0: uh, do you feel that people diagnosed with cancer maybe you know assume the worst and don't quite have the belief and if so, how do you at the Irish Cancer Society instil that belief that like you know the fight can be won?
2: Yeah, I like. I think you know if we take a look at where we are um, in Ireland now in 2021, like 30 years ago, um, th- about three in ten patients survived their cancer, um, and in 2019 it's about six in ten um, that that, that survive. So you know, in Ireland and around the world, researchers and clinicians are making really really great strides in the treatment um of cancer there's new novel therapies there's new new drug treatments um, we have great reasons to be hopeful um but you know everybody is different, and there's there's no kind of single right way to manage a cancer diagnosis, and it can be a really really difficult time in people's lives, and maybe even one of the most stressful um, and difficult things that a person will go through in their life. Um, but the Irish Cancer Society w- will be a constant resource for people with cancer, and will always be with people every step of the way. So we are just just a phone call away.
0: Um, what was you know you say to someone who? said they've been diagnosed with cancer and they have to tell their friends family children any loved ones really like what what would you say to them and how would you help them to get through that process
2: yeah so i mean as someone um with an an advocacy background um I, i think that it's always it's always important to to ensure that the right person is is helping um someone through their journey so in this case i would say probably uh, i would advise them to contact um one of our trained cancer nurses either at a daffodil center in in there in one of 13 hospitals around the country um or via that that free phone um cancer nurse line which is 1800 200 700 um, we have free uh, booklets that are available on our website as well about talking to to children and others um about your cancer that that can be helpful but um i think cancer nurses are are, are you know well equipped and have had a lot of experience in helping people through that process so um what i would say is is you know is you know lean on people and, and lean on the supports that are already there
1: how can people comfort and support their loved ones with cancer to get them through their fight
2: um so there are a few things that that i would say that that might be a good place to start um i think you know make plans um and and kind of you know give both yourself and and others something to, to look forward to. I think certainly, you know, in the last year um we all need things to look forward to and and cancer patients are are no different. Um certainly being at home and having to um to cocoon basically in, in and kind of self-isolate for extended periods of time to to protect themselves. Um I think we need to be flexible. I think that it's important to, you know, ensure that that a cancer patient is is taking the lead on 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 anything that you have planned and make sure that you're, you know, always willing to 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 do what it is that they want to do on the day. Um there are side effects to treatment and sometimes people can feel and um, though they might not be up to something. Um I think you know checking in is is important with someone and being consistent you know if you have a friend or a relative or a family member um it's good to to follow through on your commitments um and what I would also say is that you know our our resources um so uh, you know our, our cancer nurse line and our daffodil centers um and all of the information that we have on our website is available not only to people with cancer but to friends and families um and family members um so that they can can better support you know their their loved one
0: Um, We know that at the Irish Cancer Society that, you know, you do a lot of work to help both the patients and the families, but particularly for the families, you know, what supports are available to them to help them get through it?
2: Yeah, so um, if somebody uh, gets in touch with one of our cancer nurses, we can, like, we can kind of counsel them. um, And that's part of of what our our nurse line does, is ensuring that people... um, have an opportunity to be listened to are, are are able to talk through their concerns. And we can also refer them to um to counseling in their local community. So if they need kind of further supports, we can arrange for them to um to see a professional free of charge. So that that's something that we do in terms of, of supporting families directly. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that we provide end of life care for cancer patients in their own home. Um, so we would offer up to 10 nights of um, of care for a cancer patient who, who want to, to, to basically die at home at the end of their, of their life um, which, uh, which, which does happen from time to time and, and our services um, are really important in that respect because they allow patients to remain at home for, for the last days of their life, surrounded by their families and their loved ones. Um, we know that most patients do want to die at home if, if, if their, their stage becomes late. Um, and uh, and so our, our night nursing service allows them to do that. So we would have kind of um, a cancer night nurse go to a person's house between the hours of 11 and 7 and kind of, you know, be with that person through the night um, in their last stages. Um, I think that we we kind of help in that, you know, to support families oftentimes. You know, in Ireland, it's... it's, it's um, a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck as it is it's an expensive country to to live in and um, so I think that you know where we can help patients is is with kind of practical supports and things like you know driving a cancer patient to and from their 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 chemo appointments where maybe it's it, you know it might take a person out of work if they wanted to do that themselves Um and then like you know in my own role um, as as an advocacy officer I think that you know, what, what I, I try and do a big part of my work is to ensure that there are better financial supports for cancer patients. So better state benefits and entitlements and, um, you know, wider access to things like medical cards that give people um, free care um, and basically just, you know, trying to reduce some of the financial burden that not only patients face, but families will face as well too, because there's obviously increased expenditures and people might need to take time out of the workforce to, to care for a loved one.
1: What type of work have you been doing over lockdown for the charity?
2: Yeah, um, so it's been, you know, like like any organisation, the Irish Cancer Society has had to pivot um, during the COVID-19 pandemic to to how we're supporting patients. So um, we basically, you know, at at the beginning of the pandemic, we set up a support line for anybody that was concerned about what COVID-19 would mean for, for them, you know, if they were a cancer patient themselves or they were a family member or a carer of a cancer patient to provide practical support. So that would look at, you know, for example, service disruptions in particular hospitals. So we would have kind of information on what was going on um, in hospitals because the COVID-19 pandemic meant a lot of people couldn't get the care that they needed um, where they needed to, to kind of redeploy staff or ensure that there was social distancing in hospitals. Um, in my role as advocacy officer, you know uh, we we basically made sure of a number of things and um, so we wanted to ensure that cancer services were continuing where um where they could and that there was no unnecessary disruptions to, to services so you know there were um, you know, some kind of backlogs and surgeries and people needed to kind of have time sensitive surgeries. They needed to have, um, you know, other treatment, radiotherapy and chemotherapy, um, but also to diagnostic tests. So where people were going to go in and basically have a test to determine if they had cancer or not. And um, we, we basically were, were, were putting a lot of, I suppose, pressure on the government to ensure that those things were continuing. Um, and then elsewhere you know ensuring that there was sufficient funding for uh, the restart of cancer services after the the first and second waves of COVID-19 so we were successful in our budget campaign over the summer to get um, 10 million euros um, secure for the restart of cancer services in the national um, health service Uh, and a couple of other bits you know that we worked on as well over the last year um, onco-fertility services, which is basically, um, you know, the 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 kind of services where cancer patients can uh, have either. IVF treatment or um or other treatment that basically helps them to have a baby after their cancer treatment because cancer treatment can kind of cause some um some disruptions to people's ability to have children so we ensured that that continued throughout the covid-19 pandemic and that those that were having treatment at the moment we're still going to be able to 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 kind of have that option after their treatment um, so you know IVF is something that we were able to get a win on um, and then also ensuring at the moment you know something that's that's a big issue is the vaccination rollout so where are cancer patients falling in that list of people uh, that are that are scheduled to get their vaccine and so we've been um having kind of a series of campaigns to government to make sure that cancer patients are, are top priority um and while we're still kind of working on that issue we are seeing some movement in the last couple of days on people being moved up the list so we're hoping to to keep that, that going and make sure that not just cancer patients but their carers are deemed highest priority in the vaccine rollout. Do
1: you think there should be more done in schools to raise awareness about cancer and its symptoms? If so, what things can be done to raise more awareness in schools?
2: So um, we know that four in 10 cancers can be prevented. About four in 10 um, cancers could be prevented, which is um, I think a really significant figure. And we want to ensure that we're doing everything we can um, to make everybody aware of the signs and symptoms of, of cancer and how to reduce your risk of getting cancer in the first place. So you know for example, we can watch uh, what we eat, we can limit our red meat and processed food intake. Those are two things that we can do and ensure that we're getting a good balanced diet. Um, we can choose not to smoke and avoid alcohol and um, being sun smart and ensuring that we're you know wearing uh appropriate factor sun cream um and and, and covering up and, and seeking shade when, when the sun is is, is out uh, and taking regular exercise as well and um, there's a good infographic on our website which is uh 12 ways to reduce your risk of cancer and i think that would be a good thing to share maybe in your school if if, if you um are able to download it um but there are you know i, I think that that's kind of where, where I would see maybe um, a good action for, for, for students in, in secondary schools would be, you know, how can we ensure that we're getting the message out there to how we prevent cancers in the first place.
0: Um, under the current climate, you know, it's quite hard for charities to raise money, you know, for yourselves, no Daffodil Day, no other fundraising events. So how are you raising money at the minute and what can ourselves and our listeners do to support you?
2: Yes, yeah, so so you've mentioned there like that we've we've had to cancel Daffodil Day for the second year in a row um unfortunately now that's that's our traditional daffodil day daffodil day will continue just in a very very different way um so we're kind of urging the the public and, and anybody um who who wants to support us to get behind us um by going to our website it's www.cancer.ie forward slash daffodil day and um, there are a lot of ways that people can get involved um, by hosting virtual fundraisers and collections and um, by kind of purchasing items from the daffodil day online shop or by uh, making a donation to the irish cancer society and um, you know, it's unfortunate that due to the current public health restrictions that you know that's our big big flagship annual fundraiser that we've had to um, to, to cancel our traditional, uh, traditional way of doing it again this year but we've just seen a really really overwhelming response from people who who want to help despite the restrictions that are going out and doing um you know big kind of marathon exercise, fundraisers, and they're getting involved with their mates online and kind of video game fundraisers, marathons. There's a load of ways that people are getting involved um, while keeping safe. And um, it's really, really inspiring for us to see at the Irish Cancer Society just, you know, what people will do in order to help. So I would really encourage um, your listeners to go to cancer.ie forward slash daffodil day to get involved. Daffodil days on the 26th of March this year, Friday, the 26th of March.
0: Perfect. Um, Thanks a million, Eric, for coming on the podcast today. You've provided provided us with some great information, some great ways to support the Irish Cancer Society as well, which we'll have links to on our social media and website. We'll make sure to get those up for free. And um, look, just thanks million again for coming
2: on. Thanks a million for having me, Seamus and Quentin. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, cheers. Best of luck with it.
1: Thanks again, Eric, for coming on the podcast. We learned a lot today and I hope everyone listening did too. Although it's a tough subject, it's one we all need to be informed on. Just to reiterate what Eric said, make sure to visit www.cancor.ie to give whatever you can to a great cause.
0: Be sure to check out our future episodes for many more interesting guests, including Michael the Brick Walsh and Waterford Harley Manager, Liam Cantwell. Go visit colemanspodcast.com and check out our blog section, behind the scenes photos and much, much more. Be sure to check out our Instagram and Twitter at Coleman's Podcast to keep up to date with our latest uploads and interviews. There will also be a link on our socials to donate to the Irish Cancer Society. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everyone.
1: Sometimes in our lives We all have pain We all have sorrow But If we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow Lean on me when you're not strong And I'll be your friend I'll help you carry on For it won't be long Till I'm gonna need somebody to lead no.